We're Klein Marketing, and you're listening to The Crux Podcast. Welcome back to The Crux. I'm David Olteen, and today we're discussing the upcoming Google Core Web Vitals update. Joining today's episode is Taylor Cauldron, our Director of Organic Search, and Robbie Bullog, our Director of Client Services. Hey there. Hello. So, in the spring of 2020, Google announced this Core Web Vitals update and three particular user experience metrics that, that will officially become a ranking factor for Google search results in May of 2021. While page load speed and user experience aren't new ranking factors for Google, they've announced that they will be specifically focusing on these three metrics with the initial rollout of Core Web Vitals. Those metrics are largest contentful paint, cumulative layout shift, and first input delay. Taylor, why don't you tell us a little bit about those metrics? Yeah, absolutely. So largest contentful paint is the first of these and the one that I've seen most sites struggle with the most. And what it's supposed to approximate is essentially how fast a page loads. But what it's actually measuring is the time between, uh, you know, the request being sent from the user's computer, from their web browser or, you know, from their, you know, mobile browser. And when the largest element above the fold renders on the screen. Um, and so, for instance, if you have a page where there's a very large block of text that appears above the fold, uh, both on you know, desktop and mobile, that will be the largest element. In lots of other cases, it might be something like a hero image or a banner image. It can really be almost any visual element on the page. Um, and Google has set a pretty difficult benchmark uh, to hit with this. So it's, it's two and a half seconds or less is the time that it should take for that largest element to load. So that is that is largest contentful paint. The next one of these is FID, first input delay. First input delay, uh, I haven't seen too many sites struggle with quite as much yet. It is essentially meant to uh, you know approximate the user experience of having the web page kind of respond to their input, whether that input is a click or whether it's a keystroke in a search field or something like that. And what Google is actually measuring with this is the time between the event, so the click or the keystroke, and how long it takes for the web browser to start processing that input. So even if there is a longer delay in how long it takes for the page to sort of visually change based on that input, that doesn't really matter for this metric. All that matters is how long it takes for the web browser to start processing the input. So people who have issues with this generally have a website that has a bunch of scripts kind of running perpetually in the background that aren't stopping to check to see if there's user input. And then the the third one, CLS, cumulative layout shift, that's really a metric that Google is using to encourage websites to have what they call visual stability. So we've all been on a website where maybe you're about to click a button, like a checkout button, and then all of a sudden there's maybe sort of a, you know, a sale banner appears at the top of the screen and pushes everything down a bit. And when that happens, you end up clicking the wrong button and it's a super aggravating experience. Uh, and so Google is seeking to discourage websites from kind of letting that happen through this metric called cumulative layout shift. Uh, so that's kind of the overview. Yeah, and I think you know, having kind of defined those three metrics, we brought in Robbie today as kind of our our to bring ask some layman's questions in some general terms. Uh, Taylor, you and I, obviously working in SEO, have lived and discussed Core Web Vitals for almost six months now since it was announced in the spring of 2020, right? Um, so I think for us, we're so close to it now, and we've been you know so deep in PageSpeed Insights reports and and you know load speed reports. Um, so Robbie, just off the cuff, what are some of the questions you have, uh, that relate to core web vitals? Yeah, well, I appreciate, um, 
you you not you politely you know letting everybody know that yeah indeed i don't know nearly as much about seo as you guys do right so appreciate that yeah, but, absolutely. Um, but no i so obviously um if if you're not deep in seo uh and you just kind of have a periphery knowledge of it you may understand that there's a lot of stuff you should be paying attention to and this is just one more thing on the list right so let's say hypothetically i've got a website i haven't really paid attention to any SEO factors up to this point. I know I should. Um, this update maybe is the thing that's going to push me over the edge to start, you know, checking off the boxes on some of those items. But in your guys' opinion, how does Core Web Vitals stack up in importance versus some of the other uh, major SEO factors that we know Google cares about? Yeah. So in my mind, I would put it somewhere in the middle of the list. Uh, you know, there are definitely things I can think of that are more important. For instance, having, you know, text-based content on your website that addresses all of the products or services that you offer, like that is so fundamental and crucial. Uh, you know, things like that, I think, are still the most important, uh, you know, because if you're not talking about your products, then people can't find your products. That's like a given. Uh, but that being said, I think that this is probably more important than some other potential ranking factors, like image alt text, not going to make or break you. H1 tags, not going to make or break you. I think that the core web vitals are probably going to be more important than those things, but less important than things like the quality and comprehensiveness of your content. David, how do you feel? Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think, you know, core web, core web vitals being more of a, a technical requirement for your website too, it's not something that's going to be super intensive on a monthly basis, right? Generally with, with any technical elements, you kind of correct your fixes and move on, right? And focus more on content creation and content strategy. So I don't think it's going to be this huge priority for, for years to come, right? Where you're going to constantly be dwelling on page load speed. Really, Google's setting it up where there are pass-fail standards for all three of these metrics. And you're really just trying to adhere to those passing metrics, I think what's a little bit different about Core Web Vitals, obviously page load speed's not new, right? That's been a focus for webmasters and SEOs and marketers for a long, for a decade now, right, or longer. Um, but what I think is a little bit different is Google's alluded that they might even potentially have like a badge of of trust based on these metrics, right? So within the SERPs, within the search results themselves, uh, they might indicate whether you know a website's passing these standards or or meeting these user experience metrics that that Google wants to see. So I think that's a little bit different uh, of a look. And I think what's also different about this this push too is it's it's so much more transparent than you typically see with like a broad core algorithm update or Google's typical algorithm updates, right? They don't really, they'll tell you in advance from time to time, but not really with the amount of depth or, or specificity that we have with this, where they're telling you the specific metrics uh, and really trying to get webmasters prepared for, for this rollout in, in May of 2020. So I think that's a little bit different. Uh, but to Taylor's point, I don't know that this is going to be the biggest ranking factor. It might be a little bit different than, than some of the other updates we've seen in the past. So that's kind of my take on it. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, in your opinion, um, if I'm a marketing team of one or two, right, and I've got so much stuff, other stuff on my plate, maybe that's the reason I haven't paid attention to SEO up to this point, because I've just got so much other stuff I have to focus on. Is this something I could potentially knock out on my own or is it so technical in nature that I'll probably have to get a web developer involved? Yeah. Uh, I, I hate to answer with it depends, but it kind of depends. So what, what you would want to do is go to Google search console and look at the reports there that show 
you know, how your pages are stacking up, or if you don't have that data, you could go to PageSpeed Insights, which is another tool offered by Google for doing this. If you went in there and saw, you know, okay, most pages are doing just fine. There's a couple of pages with an LCP time that's a little bit higher than it should be. In those instances, it might be something that you could fix yourself. For instance, you could just start using some smaller images or compressing them more, et cetera. Those are the types of things that maybe, you know, you as a hypothetical marketing manager could handle yourself. For any of these other ones though, like if we're talking about first input delay, cumulative layout shift, or some of the more sticky, tricky problems that can kind of lead to LCP issues, you're gonna need to you know, phone up your web developer. I would say that for most marketing managers, what they should be doing right now as of you know, December, early December, 2020, is they should be reaching out to whoever does their web development and making sure that they're just kind of on top of this, that they know that this is coming up in May of 2021 to get a sense of, you know, are they proactively measuring my site and thinking about, you know, the changes that they'll need to make or do I need to kind of manage that process through? David, what about you? Right. Yeah, no, I think I think you nailed it. Um, and as of recording this, you know, we have about six months to go. So I think now is really the time to get prepared for this. Um, but to your point, Taylor, I think it's probably going to be images that are, people are going to have the most difficulty with. That's typically what we've seen in our you know, research thus far with especially these core web vitals metrics, it's often the images that are failing these these LCP and they also have a first contentful paint standard as well that's failing that that standard as well. Um, so I think, you know, getting those images, you know, drilling into which ones are really are that largest element within your page view and just making sure that you have, you know, optimized formats for those, that the dimensions don't exceed really the max, you know, width or height that your the browser would allow. I think really drilling into those images and making sure that those are are properly formatted and sized uh, could go a long way for a lot of folks, and hopefully that could solve some uh, issues with with you know failing these standards. But at the same time, I think this is <laughs> it's it's pretty technical, so I think a, a lot of folks are going to have to tap some developers or some development support. Um, but yeah, I think I think it really is LCP and FCP that will be the big sticking points. Um, we haven't seen as many websites failing FID just, you know, off the bat. Um, and then CLS, I think, you know, we work so much in the B2B space and, and CLS isn't as much of a focus uh, with us. I think the, the folks we've seen that have trouble with cumulative layout shift are, it's more so caused by like dynamic ads uh, and some of the dynamic elements that might be, you know, bouncing around the page a little bit. Uh, you also see that some of the poor practices that come for CLS or have to deal with like images without dimensions or some iframes without dimensions. You see some issues with that, but it's not something that I don't think, you know, we'll see as much in the B2B space where you don't have as much advertising on, on these types of websites. Uh, and you don't really ha even have as many types of iframes or, or, or stuff like that compared to some of the B2C uh, portals you might see. So that being said, I have seen some uh, either Europe-based or just general international websites that they're sort of like cookie notification or cookie preference. Uh, you know, the, the way that they're presenting that on the page has caused CLS, is, wow, CLS issues. You know, for, so if your cookie consent thing is pushing around other pieces of content on the page uh, and it's doing that, you know, a little bit after the page finishes loading, so Google views that as kind of an unexpected layout shift, uh, that can cause it too. So if you have one of those on your site, you should pay close attention for that. I imagine that's a bigger problem on mobile, right? Oh yeah. I, I've noticed that, you know, just, and how, like, that's actually a question I have is like, how do I approach reconciling the differences between the desktop and mobile experience as it relates to 
core web vitals. I mean, that's a big topic, but yeah, I imagine it's important. Right. I mean, ultimately, you're going to have more issues specifically with LCP, largest connectful paint, and with CLS, cumulative layout shift, and for slightly different reasons. Uh, you know, the reason why you might have a harder time with LCP is simply that, you know, phones are slower. You know, generally speaking, uh, you know, data transfer rates are, you know, uh, less than you would see on a, like a desktop device, as well as their actual processing power to render things on a page. You know, they just have less, you know, CPU power and RAM, etc. So those will take longer and that will make it harder to hit that 2.5 second benchmark. Um, and, you know, of course, if uh, if you don't have enough user real world, you know, user data to kind of model that, PageSpeed Insights will also kind of approximate that in its sort of laboratory method of measuring LCP. For cumulative layout shift, of course, the reason that it's a little bit of an issue is that cumulative layout shift is measured based on percentages of the page, uh, both like the percentage of the page that gets affected by the move as well as what percentage of the page, you know, it moves. So. Uh, it's sort of uh, an area multiplied by a distance kind of formula. And if you are talking about the screen on a cell phone, you have much less kind of real estate to work with. And so if a button can take up a quarter of the page uh, on a mobile device, whereas it only takes up, say, 3% of a page on a desktop device, uh, you know, those, those issues are just kind of greatly magnified when you're talking about CLS uh, on a cell phone. Right. And I think when it comes to the mobile versus desktop device too, what's really nice is that actually Google's PageSpeed tools are offering you mobile scores and desktop scores and each of these individual metrics for each, right? So I think it's really beneficial for folks to dive into those and see. And in most instances, I think we're finding a lot of the times is that desktop versions of the website are passing for some of the reasons Taylor described, but the mobile versions are not. And mobile, especially with like oversized images, it's much more sensitive, right, with, with that that LCP metric and the FCP metric. Um, so I think it's it's really challenging folks. Like responsive image sizing has been, you know, a focus for for a while for for page load speed, but I think now it's it's really bringing it to the to the forefront and into the limelight. So, you know, webmasters are really going to have to make sure they have mobile friendly image image sizes to to accommodate these new metrics, or otherwise they they very well might get dinged by these these new metric scores. Gotcha. That's super helpful. Thanks. I, I also just wonder in a broad sense, um, what, what are Google's motivations for pushing this update? I mean, I come from an ads background where uh, some of the decisions Google makes are pretty obvious. Their motivations are right to make more ad revenue. So <laughs> I can understand that. But, you know, this has such wide implications for the entire Internet. Like, I don't know, in your guys' opinion, what are other motivations behind this? Yeah, I mean, the motivation is the same. It's still to make more ad revenue. But in this case, it's it's indirect because they don't want you to go to Bing or some other search engine. You know, if, if users know that when they go to Google, they're going to be served up pages that are faster, more visually stable, they respond more readily to user input, and they can even verify this fact by seeing, say, like a badge on the search engine result pages indicating this, then they're going to keep on going to Google rather than going to Bing. You know, whichever search engine is consistently delivering the best search results, people are going to gravitate towards that. You know, at least all else being equal, you know, assuming that there aren't, for instance, privacy advantages to using one search engine over another. But all else being equal, the search engine that delivers the best results, people are going to use, and so they're going to see more ads. And so that's ultimately the same motivation. You know, people sometimes try to pretend that Google has this altruistic motive of improving the internet at large. 
And that's kind of true because the, you know, the better the internet gets, the more time people will spend on the internet and the more Google ads they will see and click on, you know, like ultimately it will always come down to ad revenue. Um, but at least there's a, a secondary sort of benefit here that helps real world humans and, you know, not just Google. Right. And, and I think, you know, of these three, the one that I, I really respect the, the push for the CLS, right? So cumulative layout shift, I think that's the one where as a user of the internet, I can't, I often, I do get frustrated if elements are shifting around and I'm unable to click on a link or an, unable to like clearly, you know, read te text. And that's a problem from anything from, you know, you know, news outlets where you'll see ads shifting text all around, or you also, you also even see it on like checking sports scores, right? Where a dynamic ad might be pushing that type of thing around as well. So that's the one that I, from a user perspective, really appreciate is this push towards like having a stable, you know, viewport on, on your mobile device or on your desktop device. Um, but the other two, I, th I don't think it's really necessarily new, right? They've been, they've been pushing for, for increased page load speed and better load speed for a long time now. I think it's more just an emphasis on like the specific elements that are in the order in which things are loading or the specific elements, right? Like this largest element, it's more of a focus on that. But load speed has kind of been thrown around generically as a, as a priority for Google. So that's not exactly new. Um, but I am kind of looking forward to this this focus with, on CLS, right? Because that's something from a user perspective that, that does drive me a little crazy from time to time. Right, and I, I really hope that people do take action uh, to get aligned with these metrics, you know, because Google has has rolled out other user experience metrics in the past besides just, you know, the page load speed in general. Like, for instance, they've been actively kind of punishing websites that have interstitials that kind of prevent the user from directly, you know, using the content of that page. And that, I mean, that's something that they've been doing for a while, but you still do see those annoying interstitials quite a lot. And so I don't know if Google just isn't punishing them hard enough or if people have just not figured out that that's maybe what's hurting their visibility and that's why we continue to see those. Um, but I do hope that with these core web vitals, it makes a substantial impact on, you know, kind of websites in general. Right. But I, I think I'd have to agree with Taylor, though, that deep deep down, this is an ad play, right? This is a revenue push. It's always, it's always a revenue um, play. <laughs> right. I think they're trying to continue to set the standards for the web and be that, you know, leading web entity and search engine entity on, on the internet. Um, but at the same time, I think there, there are some more malevolent motives, you know, underneath mm -hmm. that. But I think ultimately the hope is that this will improve, you know, website experiences for, for all users. But I think at the, at the same time, there's some stuff going down behind the curtain that we don't know about. Well, I mean, it is publicly traded, so, you know, <laughs> shareholders have expectations. They're making this yes. algorithm update for shareholder value, I think is the, the short answer. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> That's the fourth metric that we don't know All about. Right. Um, I've got one more question, and it's largely related to what we were just talking about. Like, based on what you guys know about how Google's operated with some of these major updates in the past, um, the fact that they've called this one out and told everybody when it's going to launch and given everybody six months' notice, um, you know, is is a big deal. But how do you anticipate that they're going to? Uh, how quickly do you think they're going to start enforcing this, and to what level, and kind of like what what are you expecting um, next year to look like as Google rolls this out? I think they'll take a pretty gentle touch with it at first as far as its impact on rankings. I think they want just enough that the SEO community will will be able to verify that there was search, you know, uh, ranking fluctuation in May of 2021. I think they want just enough to kind of 
do kind of a proof of concept at first, at first, and then they'll kind of amp up its impact over time. Uh, but I also kind of wonder sometimes if Google themselves has a sense of the impact that these algorithm updates are going to have. You know, there's there's always been speculation uh, with other algorithm updates, like for instance, when they started rewarding websites that had an SSL certificate and delivered all their pages over HTTPS, uh, you know, the impact of that was very small at first and then gradually increased. And we all assumed that it's kind of intentional, but you have to keep in mind that Google's algorithm is so complex and it's affecting, you know, millions and millions of websites and a good portion of the rankings are also factoring in neural networks that are sometimes difficult to predict that I'm not even sure if Google knows how big the impact will be at first. But maybe right. maybe that's kind of a tin hat thought, but I, I really think that even they can't perfectly predict the impact. Right, and that's why I think I think we saw what Bert Bert got launched last year, and it was rolled out to like ten percent of English queries to start, right? And then it was a gradual rollout from there. I wouldn't be surprised to see the same type of thing with this, right? Where they want to test and make sure that they're not causing you know a major seismic shift in search results and really you know inflating you know poor results. I think they they probably want to monitor and make sure first that when they do implement this update that it's not causing mayhem with you know accuracy of information and stuff like that. I think they have to find that balance. And so with BERT, you know, they first rolled it out only in English and only, uh, I think it was like 5 or 10 or 25% of queries. It was, a, it was a partial rollout to begin, and then they kind of vetted it, make sure that the results made sense, and that it aligned with what they were hoping that BERT would accomplish. And then they did a broader rollout in other languages and then on other queries as well. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that type of thing with this as well. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if you have a bunch of SEOs noticing some of these new features or some of these new, you know, ranking factors right off the bat and, and seeing some of those shifts. Um, so we'll see. I'm, I'm really anxious to see if they are going to actually have, offer those badges. That's something that they've toyed with in the past. Um, it's never really stuck having these, these validation badges, right, that signal it's a positive user experience or a solid user experience on the website. Um, they've, they've toyed with those types of things in the past, but they've never really consistently stuck. So I'm really anxious to see if that's something that stays. Um, yeah, I think if they do that and they they pick the right kind of icon or badge that clearly communicates the advantage of that search result, then that will be probably the largest change that we see with this algorithm update. Because I mean, that could easily double your click-through rate if you are one of the few pages in the top 10 that has that check mark or whatever it ends up being. That's sort of like when the five stars started showing up. and Right, right, right. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And like we see that with even the favicon feature, right? Where one week you'd search and it's there and the next week it's not, or you search on mobile and it's there and it's not on desktop and vice versa. They're always experimenting with those different cert features. So it'll be interesting to see how, how this core web vitals kind of factors into that. So nice. Well, but, thanks guys for entertaining my questions yeah. from a Luddite. <laughs> questions from a Luddite. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I don't think Taylor or I have all the answers either, right? We're no, just nobody kind of speculating. Does. Nobody, nobody does. has the answers. I'm not even sure if John Mueller and them do, but no, they, definitely not. they probably do. <laughs> but anyhow, um, I think that's, uh, Taylor, any final thoughts about getting your website in order for Core Web Vitals and, and getting everything ready? Yeah, I mean, so my my overall perspective on this is do everything you can to make these improvements. Don't lose sleep over it if you can't hit all of the metrics perfectly because no, almost no one will be able to. And keep in mind that these are going to change over time. Google has suggested that they'll be changing annually and the changes will be announced in advance. 
I'm skeptical that they will stick to that if there is an issue. You know, if if they roll these out and the consequences aren't what they anticipated, I think that they could very well decide, you know what, we're going to make a shift after three months rather than after a year. So I would say don't lose don't lose too much sleep over getting things in place for this uh, because likely these benchmarks will change. That being said, of course, this isn't just about SEO. This is also about user experience. And this could be a very good opportunity for you to justify to whoever is, you know, maybe you report to at your organization saying, we need to spend some money improving our website. We need to improve it based on user experience metrics that are going to affect both real humans and affect our visibility in Google. You know, kill two birds with one stone, that kind of thing. Right, right. I think now is the time, if you haven't already, that webmasters or marketers should be digging into PageSpeed Insights, should be digging into Google Search Console and checking out if they're passing or failing. I think now is the time where if you are failing, it's it's an important time to identify what metrics you might be failing for and starting to get a plan together. So you have, you know, again, you have about six months from time of this recording. Um, I think it's a good time now to get that plan in place. And what's really nice about like the PageSpeed Insights report actually is it's providing you like which element is the largest contentful paint, right? It's providing you actually you know, measurement times for FID is providing you that that area times distance, right? CLS metric as well. How often you're you're passing those metrics? How often you're you're in the yellow, right, in that middle ground, and how, how often you're failing? Um, so I think it's it's a great time at least to start diagnosing and getting everything in order, and then hopefully you can hit 2021 running and and have a plan for addressing some of those issues. And I think. Again, images should be a focus for a lot of folks that aren't as savvy or maybe don't have as much development support. Um, I think now is really the time to take a peek at those images too. And if that's your your issue with LCP, um, again, make sure that those are properly formatted and properly sized. I think we'll, we'll go a long way with addressing some of these metrics. But uh, I'd be remiss too if I didn't plug some of the other stuff you guys have done around this topic. I know Taylor did a really great YouTube overview video that goes pretty deep on some of the different categories which i'd recommend if you still have questions about and then i mean for me like like i said not having a lot of background it was super useful and then i know we have a blog post as well on our site so yeah our uh, our new seo on the team Alyssa, actually uh, whipped up a, a really nice blog post summarizing these issues as well so definitely would recommend checking that out in our, our youtube master taylor it's all over <laughs> it um, but i think that's going to be it for today's episode if you have any questions about core web vitals or, or any recommendations for marketers or webmasters about approaching that update, uh, you can email us at the crux at climbmarketing.com and there's always a chance that we're gonna feature your comment or question on a future episode. Um, if you wouldn't mind subscribing to the Crux Podcast on your favorite platform you, or let us or leave us a review and let us know what you think, uh, you can follow us at Climb Marketing on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And we're always posting our latest episodes, the recent YouTube video Taylor made, and our blog on Core Web Vitals, and some other great goodies as well. So thanks for listening to the Crux. We'll be back next month. Uh, Imagine she's precious. <laughs>